Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. You trade stocks and options, right? Or at least you want to. Don't skip this ad, but pay attention. You're gonna wanna hear this. Do you ever feel like you just don't know which stock to pick? There's so many of them out there. Or maybe you even feel like the market is working against you and that every time you put on a trade, it just seems to go wrong. You're losing, you're sweating, you're always staring at your phone wondering why does this keep happening? My name's Christopher Ewell and I was awarded one of the top 100 people in finance and I'm also the host of the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. And I found this awesome service called FinClub.ai that I wanna share with you today. FinClub.ai uses artificial intelligence to deliver you the very best stock picks that I have ever seen. And with these stock picks, you're gonna be trading with the algos out there instead of against them. This is the kind of tech that the big Wall Street banks use whenever they're placing trades. They really do take the guesswork out of trading and their win rates on any given day are between 85 and 95%. It is absolutely unreal and just a little scary just how well this artificial intelligence works. So click here to learn more and use the code 10MINUTE, that's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E, and you'll get two weeks of free stock picks delivered to you every single day. And as a bonus offer, you're going to get your first month half off, and that comes after your two-week free trial. So now you've got six weeks to see just how great the stock picks are at finclub.ai, where they take the guesswork out of trading. Today on the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, we're going to be talking about Brexit and the IPO market. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Yule. Hey there, 10 Minute Traders, and welcome back to the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. Today, we have a special guest online, Christopher Vecchio. He is the Senior Currency Strategist at Daily FX. Hey, Chris, thanks for coming online today. Hi, Chris. Great name. Nice to see you. Yes, absolutely. Hey, um, do me a favor real quick. Let's, uh, let's, let's give the audience a little background on who you are and before we get started on today's discussion. Sure. I'm a senior currency strategist with Daily Effects. It's the research branch of IG Group, uh, which has just opened up brokerage here in the United States as of February. Uh, myself, I went to school at Lafayette College about 10 years ago, got my CFA charter back in August 2015. So everything is moving forward in life. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm really encouraged by the news flow that we're seeing in the world today. Why? Because we need more volatility in markets. And yeah, it's something that uh, we could use for uh, at least as an options trader myself. I like to see when uh, those implied vol readings expand and that helps just choose the price of of the uh, positions I'm holding. And that's really something that has been working against a lot of options traders in the, the last few months. Yeah, well said. We, we had a nice big spike uh, not too long ago. And while the market itself hasn't drifted too far price wise, volatility has just like collapsed. So it's been been a bit of a. a, a slow market, I guess you could say, um, from at least an options trading standpoint, right? So um, 
Christopher and I were discussing earlier about uh, the IPO market, and he was talking to me about Zoom and Pinterest, uh, which could be on some of your radars out there. So, Chris, um, please do me a favor and you know tell me tell me what's going on with those. Where, where do you see those going? What do they look like? Um, you know, what's what's on your mind about those? The IPO market prior to the Zoom and Pinterest IPOs was actually in pretty mediocre shape as far as things were going this year. Um, when we were looking at the state of the IPO market maybe a month ago, there had only been 56 IPOs filed, which was about 2% lower than it was this time last year. And at the same time, those 34 IPOs that were actually priced had seen a, that's about a 29% drop in actual IPOs that went through. Um, so there was a slower pace of activity going into this year, but the Zoom and I, uh, Pinterest IPOs seem to have reinvigorated people's spirits about what companies with positive cash flows can actually do. Uh, whereas I know some of these other unicorn companies that have gone to the market recently don't necessarily have the fundamental foundational type of things you'd like to see on their income statements or balance sheets that would drive significant demand for, say, new investors to come to the table. And I think we all know what we're talking about, Uber and Lyft being the two primary. Well, hang on, here. hang on, hang on. I got to stop you right there. Are you telling me that people invest in companies because they think that the companies might generate a profit? Is that is that what you're telling me? Because it seems like that's just a far-fetched idea these days. I, I, I know, really. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a relic of the QE era, honestly, where rates were so low. So as a way to push people out further along the risk curve, um, the government, by incentivizing interest rates to stay low, people could invest in some of these more risky ideas, we'll call them. Um, and as a result, you have a lot of these companies that necessarily didn't need to have significant cash flows because their financing was so cheap. Now that rates have risen, we're kind of in a different era where now if you don't have positive cash flow, it's not so easy just to get on by and convince investors that things will be better tomorrow. Uh, we know that interest rate expectations are still pointed positive and higher for the near term. At least if you look at the Fed funds curve, we have a more hike expected down the timeline from the Fed. So um, I do think that in an environment where you do see that the cost of financing has gone up, companies with significant cash flows will be the ones that are desired. Those that are somehow still betting on the Amazon strategy, which is just eat losses for hopefully not forever, but for an extended period of time until you completely dominate your market. Um, those companies may see a more difficult time moving forward. Ah, Okay. Well, that, that, that's that's really interesting. I was just hearing, uh, I was listening to somebody a couple of days ago talking about how, you know, they were so excited about having, you know, gone to this particular college and they learned all this stuff about how to price a stock based on cash flows and stuff. And in my mind, I was like, in theory, that's true. But the price today of what that is trading for is what it's worth. I mean, really, there's, it's a liquid market out there. If it's not worth $100, people aren't going to give you $100. And that's reflective in the IPO market, where you have something like Lyft, which basically fell off a cliff as soon as it came on board. Right. And I understand that uh, that point of view entirely well. And that's why I don't think for a retail investor, you should necessarily approach IPOs with such enthusiasm right away. Um, in fact, I think one of the tenets of good portfolio management would be that you keep uh, young investors, but people who don't necessarily have the financial aptitude or wherewithal or risk tolerance to stick through a new company's early stages when it goes public. So um, I, I myself like to stay away from IPOs for at least the first six months. I know if you were looking at Facebook, if you held on for the entire ride early on, you've 
reap the benefits long term. But a lot of people got into that market and they ended up eating losses for a few months simply because they weren't patient and didn't have the risk tolerance and the long term perspective in order to uh, stick along for the ride. So just as a rule of thumb, retail investors should probably stay away from IPOs. They can find uh, companies that have more established business, more established cash flow streams um, elsewhere in the market, which at the end of the day, uh, investors with a long enough time make a quick buck. Um, they're not looking to make a quick buck today or tomorrow. They're thinking about their retirement in 20 years or 30 years, which requires a lot of patience and long-term planning and executing on that plan, regardless of what's happening in the day-to-day machinations of the market. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's it's really interesting to watch the uh, the IPO market like that. And and honestly, I I don't ever look at IPOs. To to be very honest, I I know. A lot of people get really excited. I had one guy text me one day when uh, Spotify went IPO, and he's like, "I'm gonna buy as much as I can as soon as it comes out the bat. It's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a ten bagger. I'm sure of it." And I was like, "Go ahead, man. <laughs> Do what you want. It's your money. Uh, it's just not for me. I don't care. I just I have a watch list. I have signals, and once it hits those watch lists or those sigma, signals, then hey, it's on my radar. Right. But there's just not enough data points to really get an idea, and especially with the the initial volatility of something like a, a Lyft or, gosh, so many other other examples like uh, Snapchat. Um, geez, that just high expectations and all of a sudden just falling flat on their face. So I love the idea. I love that rule that in, investors should not be interested in an IPO for at least a few months. Uh, that's great. I love that. Now, I hope the uh, the uh, the audience can take that away as well. That that's very sound advice there. So, um, talking about Brexit, uh, I was just sure. telling Christopher before the uh, interview started here that I've been completely avoiding the news. I've been very very busy with all the stuff that's going on. But he was telling me today that there's some pretty big news on uh, on the other side of the pond, as they say. Yes, and uh, as I said too, you're very blessed that you can avoid the noise, as, <laughs> as, as they would say. It's like the Domino's Pizza saying, avoid the noid. Hey, do you trade options like I do? Then you don't want to skip this. You want to pay attention. I just found the very best options trading platform out there, and I want to tell you all about them. I bet you feel like you're never satisfied with your current options broker, right? Anytime you want to get help, anytime you call them, anytime you email them, you never actually get to talk to a human. And you need to talk to somebody because their platform is so difficult to use. I mean, you've got to go through all these different screens just to place a single trade. And then on top of that, their commissions are eating you alive. You can't even make money because the commissions cost more than your profits. My name's Christopher Ewell, and I was awarded one of the top 100 people in finance, and I'm also the host of the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. And Tastyworks is the platform that I use and I recommend. Yeah, I know they got a funny name, but you're going to want to learn more about this platform. It was built by options traders for options traders. So if you're an options trader, you definitely want to check out Tastyworks. It was built on the back of high frequency trading technology. So you're going to be getting close to the best fills possible. And on top of that, their commission structure, it's almost unbeatable. It's only $1 per leg to open a trade and $0 per leg to close a trade. So click the link to check out Tastyworks today and use the code 10MINUTE, that's one zero M-I-N-U-T-E, to get over $150 in free 10-minute trader exclusive bonuses just for signing up for a Tastyworks account. It really doesn't get easier than that. You're going to get the best platform that I've ever used, and you're going to get free bonuses from 10MinuteStockTrader.com. So make sure you check out Tastyworks and use the code 10MINUTE, and you'll be just as blown away as I was by Tastyworks and their options trading platform, 
Built by traders for traders. Tory party needs to find a new leader. Currently, the Tory party controls the majority of government with a coalition with Northern Ireland's DUP party. Now, the issue here at hand is that the person who's likely to replace Theresa May as the UK prime minister is probably going to be further to the right of her, is going to be a little bit more pro-Brexit, regardless of whatever terms Brexit comes on. And that could even mean a, a hard Brexit, where there's no agreement in place with the European Union. As we know, the current deal that Theresa May has struck with the EU, what's known as the EU-UK withdrawal agreement, has had trouble passing through Parliament. And so uh, I don't think that Boris Johnson or Michael Gauvet or Dominic Rabb, some of the figures that have been thrown out there as potential Tory party leaders, will necessarily have the support in place to move forward with a majority government. Uh, they could lose some of the more moderate Tories that break away. And as a result, it's very possible we're looking at another general election coming down the pipeline in the UK over the next several weeks. This is a really interesting time for the UK to have a general election, as simultaneously we actually have the European parliamentary elections going on right now. And which party is moving ahead as the most likely largest bloc to represent the UK? The Brexit party. Now, the Brexit party doesn't currently exist in UK politics, but if there was another general election in for domestic UK politics, you could see a pro-Brexit party splinter off from the Tory party. And as a result, if you split the party vote on the right, you only have the ability to see a coalition government form with, say, the Labour Party and Jeremy Corbyn on the left. And as we know, even though the pound has been obliterated by the Brexit vote and the ensuing process has unfolded over the last several years, the prospect of a Jeremy Corbyn prime minister reign under which we'd see expansive government spending policies at a time when the UK's debt and credit ratings are under pressure would most likely see the UK take a significant step back as a developed economy, would be treated more as an emerging market economy, and I don't necessarily think the British pound would recover. So yes, the pound is up today. We're seeing stability now that Theresa May has finally resigned, but the path moving forward is still very complicated and may mean that we are indeed headed for a general election and a Jeremy Corbyn reign as prime minister in the UK in the next few months. Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. Honestly, um, I, on, on our side of the shores, I don't know what real impact that's going to be to us. What would, uh, what would you say that would be other than so, the, uh, the pound diminishing its value? Right. So what we saw on the night of the Brexit vote was that there was a general draft down lower by S and P 500, but, once right. the dust settled and we got away from the global macro type of response, people said, OK, well, clearly the cash flow implications for U.S. companies operating in the U.K. is minimal. We only trade uh, about 5 percent of our economy trade comes through the U.K. So it's not like a significant uh, shock to the system, like, say, slapping tariffs on your largest trading partner in China. Uh, so with the U.K., we quickly saw that traders, by the time the U.S. session rolled around, people were picking up the stock market. And then foreign investors came in, and when the U.K. stocks were eventually headed lower, the U.K. stock market ended up trading higher because people said, wow, my, my currency is worth so much more now relative to the pound. I can actually get these U.K. companies, say domestic U.K. companies that aren't reliant on the pound and the exchange rate volatility, um, I could get some good exposure to some foreign, uh, foreign assets here. So ultimately, it was an opportunity for investors to get long some foreign exposure, and I think that's where people's minds should be at. Uh, as the expression goes, when there's blood in the street, that's the best time to buy. And so in the event that there is another sharp swing lower in the British pound and we do see a sell off in UK equity markets, I think that equity traders would be wise to say, look at uh, small cap UK equities, which are insulated from 
the movement in the British pound. They derive their cash flows from British citizens consuming items at home. And therefore, it really doesn't really matter um, the which way the pound moves uh, around Brexit. So people are still going to need to get their canned goods and soup and bread and uh, clothing. And if those items are made in the UK, then those are the items that people would flock to if they see that the cost of buying foreign goods has shot up significantly as a result of the exchange rate movement. Okay. Wow, that was very comprehensive. It sounds like you know what you're talking about. I hope I do. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> well, Christopher, uh, what uh, what else other than the IPOs and uh, Brexit uh, is is on your radar here? What uh, what else would be on your mind? U.S.-China trade war looks like it's going to persist for a while longer, and that's not just because of the rhetoric that we're hearing in the United States, but some things that are going on domestically in China. Um, for example, they've stopped showing American TV shows there and instead have replaced them with these nationalist propaganda shows that suggest America is the enemy and that China is going to go to war and be victorious over these invading foreigners. As far as I know, and from my background, besides having a degree in economics, I have a degree in political science. Uh, one of the things that you have to do in order to gin up a population support for war is to make them feel like the external enemy is coming in to attack. So um, as far as the, the, the I could throw them, if I could, I would say that Xi Jinping is getting ready to get some significant long term support for an extended trade war against the United States. I don't think that this is something that China is going to turn their back on, um, whereas our presidential cycles are four four years long. China thinks more in dynastic terms yes. because Xi Jinping is going to be president long after President Trump is gone. If that's in two years or another, say, four years after his current term. Xi Jinping is going to be in control long after the next U.S. president comes and goes. So he is thinking about outlasting Trump. He would probably see that the next U.S. president, if it's a Democrat, would be less inclined to pursue this significant trade war. And so it could be just a waiting game. Could the Chinese economy take a little bit of pain for the next 18 months? And if so, why would China back away when it knows it could get more favorable terms for the long haul if it just dictates a little bit more patience? So I think that investors should expect to see these false starts in this U.S.-China trade war cycle for the foreseeable future. This is going to create a sense of boy who cried wolf, right? We're going to hear so many bad things are happening, but we won't really see a market reaction. And we get to the point where we fall ourselves into a trap of kind of the Talib trade, where you're picking up pennies in front of the steamroller, where mm -hmm. uh, eventually the gains that you're getting are so small, but the risk that you're taking, because eventually when the wolf really does come, uh, it would be that event that you're completely caught off balance for. So and being mindful of this as we go through the summer months, if volatility does cool down and does stay low, um, I think that traders would be wise to stick to their more stringent risk management policies. I know there's a temptation to push out stops and increase leverage when we get to low volatility environments, but having a foundation of strong risk management right now will make the difference so you don't get caught offhand when all of a sudden on a Sunday afternoon when markets are closed and Trump tweets something out, you all of a sudden don't have ability to turn on your, your trading mm -hmm. programs until 9.30 the next morning when you're you know, a duck in the water. Right. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, I, I completely agree with you there. I, honestly, it's, it's been quite interesting to watch. Uh, it, it almost feels like our administration is using Twitter as, as much market damage control as they can. Uh, which, you know, that's that's been the joke around the, the FinTwit community, right? Every time the market goes down, Trump's got his phone out ready to, to tweet something new. But yeah, I, I completely, completely agree with you as far as the uh, 
long-term prospects of this because in re- all reality uh i mean we could be looking at as short as another year or maybe two uh or potentially five i don't know with trump uh versus you know 40 or more years or so with uh with the chinese administration there so yeah absolutely that that makes total sense to me so christopher thank you this has been extremely enlightening uh it's actually really great to hear uh, a global economic uh, perspective on a few things sometimes you know, we as traders get so buried down in, in the weeds and our positions and our, our moving averages and our RSIs. We don't actually take a step back and say, hey, what's going on out in the world? I don't even know. So, yeah, right. this has and, been great. And, you know, the technical perspective is actually great right now because it, it helps you separate the signal from the noise. If something is really important happening out there, it's going to be reflected in price. And mm-hmm. the markets and the charts will tell that story for you. Uh, I mean, a simple rule of thumb I have about the U.S.-China trade war is just watch what the dollar yuan trade uh, exchange rate is doing. At the end of the day, the Chinese government does control the fixed exchange rate for the dollar yuan uh, close every day. And so if they are, say, afraid of tariffs coming on and hitting the economy, they could continue to weaken the currency as a way to offset the decline in economic activity. They could boost the appeal of the yuan to other current uh, countries and other consumers. So um, you can use the market to draw out the story itself without having to deal with the day-to-day noise of what these policymakers are tweeting or what their lackeys are saying through the press, because it is politics and we're not getting the full truth and we're never going to get the full truth. So you need to be a little bit more coy about how you interpret what these people are saying and understand that their motives aren't always what they appear. Right. That makes total sense. Well, perfect. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been really great. Where can people reach out and learn more about you and more about Daily FX? Well, you can always visit our website, our research hub at dailyfx.com. It's D-A-I-L-Y-F-X.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, StockTwits, and in the Daily FX real-time news feed. That's at C-V-E-C-C-H-I-O-F-X. C-V-E-C-C-H-I-O-F-X. Perfect. And I'll make sure to, to link all that down in the show notes below. So, hey, Chris, thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully we'll talk again soon. Hey, yeah, this was a really great conversation. Um, I'll just have to keep you on speed dial so I can know what's going on out there. Fantastic. Yeah. And hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Hey, if you found this helpful at all, please make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Hey, if you want to be notified every time we post more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter, make sure you head over to howtotradestocksandoptionspodcast.com. And we'd love to send you a new free gift every single month with more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. So head over to howtotradestocksandoptionspodcast.com, click the free gift button, and we'll send that right away. And thank you so much for tuning in to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors 
and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and his StockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit timandstocktrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.